says, however, some of the branches have been pruned away. It's talking about some uh, because of their unbelief in, in Jesus and Yeshua as the Messiah. It says we're broken off uh, of, the, of the, that, that whole tree that was growing of what God was doing in salvation history with the Jewish people and with Israel. And it says, and then you, speaking to Gentiles, who were once nothing more than a wild olive branch in the desert, God has grafted you in, inserting you among the remaining branches. So he says there are branches that have remained, that have continued in great faith. And you come in inserted as a wild olive branch, he says, to, as a joint partner to share in the wonderful riches of the cultivated olive stem. So don't be so arrogant as to believe that you are superior to the natural branches. So Paul already realized that there was this tendency growing in, in the Gentile church to be proud and to be arrogant and to somehow uh, uh, cut off the Jewish people. And, and, and uh, he, he's, he, But he got right to the root of it. He said the problem is pride. It's arrogance. It says, well, they didn't do so well, and so God cut them off, uh, and God has replaced them with us. But he says there in Romans 11, God did not replace this uh, tree and the deep roots of what God had done in salvation history through the Jewish people, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, the prophets, all of this rich history culminating in the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua. So he says, you uh, 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 don't be so arrogant as to believe that you're superior to the natural branches. There's no reason to boast, for the new branches don't support the root, <laughs> but you owe your life to the root that supports you. So he's saying, we must uh, turn away from this uh, prideful arrogance. We must repent of that. And I believe the worst part of this arrogance of replacement theology is not just what it has done toward the Jewish people, but what it has done to God. It has said God can't keep his promises. It's basically saying that God is not sovereign. God is not faithful. God is not able to finish what he starts. But the Bible makes it very clear that God is well able to finish whatever he starts. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we, we must realize if, if we believe replacement theology, we're basically saying, well, the Jewish people just didn't live up to it, what they needed to live up to. So God uh, totally uh, threw them out and replaced them with the church. Uh, but if that's true, then what's to say the church <laughs> hasn't done very well, and God's not just thrown out the church and will bring something else. In fact, that is the teaching of Islam. The Islam says the Jews didn't do well, so God replaced them with the Christians, and the Christians didn't do well, so he replaced them with Islam, and we are the final faith. If you follow the logic of, of replacement theology, each one will be replaced by another because no one is, is perfect. And, and so we have to come back to the one who is perfect, God. God only has a plan A. God has no plan B. He only has a plan A. For every word that he spoke about Israel, he 
either has already accomplished, there are hundreds and hundreds of verses, for example, about the restoration of, of the Jewish people back to the land uh, and, and making Aliyah from the nations, uh, huge Aliyah from the north, for example. Uh, many, just hundreds of scriptures have already been fulfilled to the T of prophetic words that God gave to the prophets concerning his plans for Israel and the Jewish people. So we need to realize God has not stopped working with Israel. Instead, he has a larger plan that would bring in the Gentiles into this larger plan for his kingdom and his blessing uh, to all nations through the family and descendants of Abraham. So we need to repent of the arrogance that would say God somehow just was not able to finish what he started. God only has a plan A for Israel and for the Jewish people. God only has a plan A for the Gentile church. God only has a plan A for you personally. He has a perfect plan and he is fully able to complete the work that he has started because faithfully is he who has called you who also will do it. In the, in the New Testament, it makes clear that all the promises of God, it doesn't say all the promises of God in the Old Testament transferred over to someone else. It says all the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus, in Yeshua the Messiah. So he is the, uh, the affirmation that God is finishing and will finish, finish every promise he has ever spoken from the very beginning in, in the book of Genesis to the very end in the book of Revelation. Our God is a faithful God who is well able to finish what he has started. So we need to repent of that arrogance that would say God is not able to, to complete it. He will complete all that he has started. Number four, then what is the plan of God? God's heart is to use the Gentile church to make Israel envious and to come to their Messiah and to use a, a reconnection to the roots and, of the Jew, and to the Jewish natural branches to bring resurrection life to the church. And as more and more of those natural branches are regrafted back into their own rich salvation history, it brings resurrection life uh, to the whole world. Look at Romans chapter 11 and verse 11. Again, I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. He says, so am I saying that Israel stumbled so badly that they will never get back up? Certainly not. So already Paul was making this clear to the Gentile church, to the Romans. He was saying, uh, as the fact that some some Jewish people stumbled over the fact that, that Yeshua was the Messiah. Does that mean that they'll never get back up? And then he says already, certainly not. Rather, it is because of their stumble that salvation now extends to all the non-Jewish people in order to make Israel jealous and to desire the very things that God has freely given them. Now, uh, this is a wonderful, huge plan that God has, and I encourage you to read all of Romans 11 and to really spend time diving into that scripture, meditating upon Romans 11. Actually, Romans 9 through 11 are very, very important 
uh, to understand God's heart, uh, continuing heart, and God's continuing faithfulness to Israel. Uh, I remember a pastor I met uh, who has a worldwide ministry uh, on the internet, and he said, I, he, he's one of these pastors who teaches uh, uh, through the Bible, chapter by chapter by chapter. And he said, for years, I had been taught replacement theology in seminary, and so I just assumed that had to be correct, and that God had replaced Israel with the church. But he said, <laughs> I had a big problem teaching through the Bible every time I got to Romans 9, 10, and 11. So he said, I would just kind of arrange that either I, I, I just couldn't be there to teach at my church on those Sundays and have somebody else teach, because he said, I just didn't feel I was being honest and consistent with what it plainly said in Romans chapters 9 through 11. So I encourage you to really search out those scriptures uh, that we can understand them. And it, 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 it shows God's great plan. God is sovereign. God is faithful. And God has this huge plan that was to bring through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants, this rich root of, of understanding the ways of God, of the word of God, the ways of God coming forth, culminating in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua. And so his plan was, he knew that, that some might not believe at first in that Messiah, would have to be broken off, but his plan was that Later on, they would be grafted back into their own roots, the fullness of their own roots, the completion of their own roots, and that Gentiles could also be grafted in as wild olive branches, and that together we could all enjoy the, the, the rich sap of the revelation of God and who he is, this God of Israel that is the God of the nations. And so uh, he said, what will happen? How, if if the Gentiles come into this knowledge of the Messiah, he he warned first. Paul warned, don't come into an arrogance, don't come into a pride. Realize you don't support the root; the root supports you. It gives you the life that you have, and so he, he's saying basically that it's so important that the Gentiles walk in total love, unconditional love, no strings attached type of love toward the Jewish people, toward Israel, because we have a great debt to them that we owe. Uh, we would not have come out of our worship of idols and into the knowledge of the true, one true, invisible, living God, creator of all things, if it had not been for the great price paid by all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through the centuries to preserve the word of God and to bring it forth. So then he says, well, what, what is the place of the Gentile church? Well, he says part of that place is to love the Jewish people, as I said, with such an unconditional love, with such a, a God-given love, not a soulish, romanticized love uh, that will run when things get difficult, but a love from his heart that will cause us to say, just like Corrie Ten Boom and her family did uh, during World War II, we will lay down our lives as a family to protect and to care for you. 
and praise God for the righteous Gentiles like the Ten Boom family uh, in, in, in Holland or like, uh, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others in Germany. Uh, one time my wife and I, Patricia, we were going through a, a concentration camp uh, in Germany and they showed us uh, one very large uh, foundation of what had been a hall, a, 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 a housing at that time uh, in the concentration camp. And they said this particular housing was for German pastors who helped the Jewish people to flee, who protected them and helped them to flee. So there were a large number, unfortunately, who, who out of fear did not help the Jewish people as they should have, but there were also a large number who did lay down their lives, went to concentration camps because they knew God's heart and that they needed to stand, no matter what the cost, with the Jewish people and with Israel. So here in Romans 11, Paul is saying uh, that the, the, the place of, of the Gentiles is to make Israel jealous and to desire the very things that God has given to them and, and that they would see uh, our love. They would see that they would come in and know the, the presence of God in worship and, and begin to, to see this and, and be provoked to jealousy uh, through these things. Now I'd like to share one uh, very specific story and we'll show some slides on the screen here. Uh, this is a man uh, who was an Iranian member of Hezbollah, a terrorist, an absolute terrorist involved in things like killing and raping. I mean, a full on terrorist. At a certain point, he began to question, something is wrong with this. If, if, if Allah is the true God, why, does, why, why am I being commanded to, to, to kill innocent women and children and, 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 and being involved in rape and things like this uh, when he, he knew something was wrong with that. He, he said, why would, why would, would, would a true God uh, ask me to order me to do such things? And he began to really search, and long story short, he had one of those uh, Saul of Tarsus encounters with God, and, and God revealed to him who he was, the true and living God, that he is the God of Israel, and that he has an only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah, and that this Hezbollah man could actually be forgiven and born again and become a different person a new creation through this Jewish Messiah. Well, that was a big stumbling block for him because he had been taught so strongly to hate Israel and to hate the Jewish people, and to want to destroy them and wipe them out. But he really, really came to know the Lord. Very miraculously, he was able to escape Hezbollah and go to Canada and, and receive eventually uh, citizenship there in Canada. At a certain point when he was kind of settled into his new life and enjoying this new life, God began to speak to him and God said, I, I want, I have a special calling on your life in regards to the Jewish people in Israel. And he said, Lord, what is that? And he felt the Lord reminded him that Cyrus, who was an Iranian, a Persian, ordered that the silver and gold be given to help make Jewish exiles to make Aliyah back to the land. And he said, I want you to go to Iranian background churches in Canada and the United States. 
I want you to share the story of Cyrus, and I want you to say, God is calling us Iranians who believe in Jesus, who believe in the God of Israel, to help the Jewish people to make Aliyah back to Israel by giving an offering. And he said, I want you to take an offering that is actually silver and gold, not money, not bills, but actual silver and actual gold. And he would share this message and people would respond. He told me one or two widows actually gave their wedding ring in the offering as a Persian, as an Iranian, to help Jewish people make Aliyah back to Israel. Now that's quite an amazing, uh, amazing thing. And I've been in gatherings with him in Sukkot Alel where he shared this vision and, and Jewish people who were there just started weeping, especially as he prayed over a couple that had just made Aliyah and was praying blessing upon them and giving them a big financial gift to be able to, to live here in the land. And, and uh, it, it was a very powerful thing. But then he told me, the Lord spoke to him, uh, you've kind of done it in an easy way by, by coming into a place like Sukkot Alal and saying, I want to ask forgiveness for what I did and for uh, what uh, uh, just the atrocities uh, that I did as a member of Hezbollah. I've repented of that. I've asked forgiveness of God, but I want to ask forgiveness of, of you, uh, Jewish people who are here. But God said, I want you to go up to the northern border and I want you to go to a bunch of just Israeli soldiers on the border where Hezbollah's on the other side. And I want you to ask their forgiveness. Now that was quite a big thing to do. And he, uh, he, he felt like, wow, well, this could even be risky. I mean, how will they respond to me? Uh, but he went up there to the northern border and, and he told them, he, he said, uh, can I speak to you? And they said, yes. And they translated him and, and he said, I, I want you to know that I was a member of the terrorist group Hezbollah. I'm Iranian, Persian background, and I served in Hezbollah. I, I did horrible things and, and killed innocent people uh, uh, as part of this terrorist group on the other side of the fence from where, where you are right now. But he said, I want to ask your forgiveness for what I, I did. I've totally stopped that. I'm in a totally different lifestyle. And I now love the Jewish people and I love Israel. I want to ask you to forgive me. Would you express forgiveness for what I've done? And, and they were just amazed, you know, and they, he said they actually put him up on a chair like they do here in Israel when someone has a birthday. They put them out on the chair and say, hurrah, 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 lift them up. And they're cheering that person on. And, and the, the amazing part of this story is that they, as they asked him what changed your heart, he was able to share, it was your Messiah who changed my heart. My heart was so hard and my heart was so evil. And, and it was your Messiah and believing in him that changed me from hating you into loving you. That changed me from someone who was killing Jewish people to someone who was helping raise funds to help Jewish people make Aliyah back to Israel. So I think that's a beautiful picture of, of, of what Romans 11 is saying there, of that kind of, of, of life-changing love. And, and I, I really believe, uh, from what I see living here in the land, I believe it's one thing when one or two or three people like this man show up and say, I was a terrorist, I hated the Jewish people, but I've now heard personally, 
one story after another of Islamic full-blown terrorists who had radical encounters with God, the God of Israel, and through his only begotten son, Jesus, Yeshua, came to salvation, had their heart changed, received his heart of love toward Israel. And as more and more people like that are talking about him, it begins to soften hearts here to say, well, could it be that he is the Messiah? But we don't do that in order to, to get them to do that. We do it because we owe a debt of love. We owe a debt of gratitude. We love without any conditions, without any strings attached, without any change of attitude uh, about Jesus or about Yeshua, but simply because God has poured his love into our hearts and helped us to understand the great debt of gratitude that we have to the Jewish people and to Israel. Mm -hmm. 